You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, our special feature guest is Scott Bryden, uh, who owns and operates two uh, dealerships in the region, Bryden Ford and Durand and Bryden Motors in Beloit. Welcome to the What Works podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you are a well-known uh, guy in this area. You've been in the car business... 30 years. 30 years. You grew up in the car business? Actually, 33 years. Hmm. Uh, pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. My grandpa owned Bryden Motors in Beloit for, well, started in 1945 with one used car and grew it into a, a very nice enterprise. And um, so I would go there as a kid and just run around the showroom and get in cars. And most of them had manual transmissions back then. So I'd be shifting the gears in the showroom <laughs> and pretending I was driving. And I don't know if people were annoyed or not, but they never really... <laughs> said a whole lot to me. Did you ever break so, one? Did you ever go, oh, Dad? Not that I'm aware of, but Sorry I thought it. I thought maybe a couple times, but then I'd run through the service department, talk to all the, they were mechanics back then, now they're technicians. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, and then my grandma lived upstairs. It was interesting. There was a house attached to the dealership. And, really? Or my great-grandma. So I would go up the stairs. I remember, yeah, not even, well, I could walk the stairs, but I'd go with my hands. I was so young. <laughs> yeah. And she'd make me lunch. And yeah, it was just a neat family feel. So, so you grew up, you grew up you all around cars your entire life then? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I would say so. Awesome. So now you now you operate two different dealerships in two distinct areas, which is a whole different thing than, you know, young kid riding around, you're like pretending to ride around in cars and then crawling up the stairs. There's a little bit more responsibility. <laughs> There's some people depending on their paychecks and uh, yeah, and for me to oversee and make sure that yeah. they get those. So part of when, when part of the reason I asked Scott to come in was you the the Beloit part of it you just took over in the last few years when your father passed away, right? Right. I had worked so, there when I was younger, though. But you had you started out in Durand, which is, you know, if, if you're not from this area, which is a small town, not easily found. <laughs> you have to you have to be specifically looking for it to find Durand. And you've, you've thrived out there for decades with Bride and Ford. And I've always thought it is amazing. Everybody's trying to find customers get people to come and so they, they they locate on some busy corner hopefully people just stop by you've been able to get people to come to duran to buy cars and trucks from you how did you do that and, and you're and you're for well, how, how and to put this in perspective how far away from you from the kind of nearest larger city are you well 19 miles from rockford yeah so and then beloit's probably the same and then monroe's 25 miles probably and freeport's probably 20 yeah so but Beloit, Monroe, and Freeport are 35,000 people, probably. Rockford now is what? 150 still. Hasn't, and hasn't, but with Mitchesney Park, sure. Wells Park, yeah, and all that, it's going to be closer yeah. to 300,000. The MSA is 300-something. Right? So, so, yes. So I did a lot of advertising. TV and radio, when I started out, it was way over budget, but I knew I had to, I had to get my name out there. Yeah. Came up with we're closer than you think, so people would. That was great. It's iconic. That mm -hmm. that kind of saying. My mom takes credit for that. I still don't remember the conversation, but I'll give her the credit. And uh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> and um, the um, and then I stocked way too many vehicles, but I thought if people are going to make this drive, which really, I mean, twenty minutes—that's not bad, especially because sometimes getting across Rockford's twenty minutes. So. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a selection. So I had way more expense in vehicles and way more expense in advertising than I needed to in the beginning, but I needed to get off the ground and it worked. So, um, 
so that's how I did it with my little catchphrase. We're closer than you think, and as mentioned earlier, in the center of the trapezoid, connecting yeah, the, the trapezoid. Who came up with the trapezoid? <laughs> I I came up with trapezoid. <laughs> um, I don't know if I had some help with the whole tagline thing, but anyway, it's something people can remember because trapezoid is not a word used commonly in daily <laughs> dialogue. So yeah. people remember the trapezoid thing. So. Just having so, a little catch and then taking care of people when they come out and making sure they feel. Where did the salesmanship come from? Because there's also, we, we, we laugh, you said you're going to bring back a character. for You had this, <laughs> this thing called Scotty B. Ryden. And, you know, I remember the Evil Knievel one. Right. Um, you know, so. Oh, my gosh. Where, that was yes. a long time ago. Where did, where did yeah, that come I think from? That started away. Did that come from your dad? Or does that something you just developed on your own? That just that whole, you know, the personality to, 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 to get out there and be in front of people? Well, my dad and my grandpa had some crazy commercials back in the day, but they didn't do stuff like that. They had, my dog is bigger than your dog, and then uh-huh. they'd show the dogs at the end because it, it was the friendly competitors was their thing. They had two, oh, deal, two okay. dealerships. My dad had Rogers, Olds, and Nissan, and then my grandpa had Brighton Motors because my dad had branched off. And so they were the friendly competitors, and it was. I mean, if bought from one, of the, one or the other, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And same thing with my dad and I when I bought Brighton, brought Duran Ford and called it Brighton Ford. My dad was just as happy if I sold the, one of his customers as he was, and me too. I was like, yeah, well, at least you kept it in the family. <laughs> so that was the thing. But So their commercials weren't really that daring, but they were corny, comical, blah, blah, blah. So um, it was actually my brother-in-law. He asked me, I don't know, I was 07 maybe, he said, hey, you remember Super Dave Osborne? And I said, yeah. And he said, said, I got a cassette. We need to, some night we just need to watch that. And we did. And I was sitting there watching Super Dave Osborne. Like, I, could do, <laughs> I could do that. <clears throat> so that's where Scotty B. Ryden was born. Um, so my brother-in-law became the announcer. I was Scotty B. Ryden. I couldn't come up with a name at first because obviously it wasn't going to be Super Scotty or whatever. Right. So. So the best I could do when I was writing my first script is Scotty B. Neville. That wasn't real good. It didn't flow off the tongue. Yep. Sent it to Frank Green at Channel 23, and Frank says, how about Scotty B. Ryden? I'm like, that is perfect. <laughs> it's basically my name. You just take yep. the B off. Right. And, yeah. So, and I've been <laughs> called Scotty for a lot of years anyway. So mm-hmm. that was how the name came about. Frank Green came up with that one, and then I wrote the script, and usually when I I'm kind of a visionary, but I'm not completely artistic, but I know what I want it to end up like. And Frank would say, and then later Bill Partridge at Channel 17, they would get my script and they'd say, well, <laughs> give me a minute. This i got to figure out how we're going to make this work. And then they'd tell me what I would have to do, and then we'd change the script to fit what a camera could actually do. So anyway, but that was the creativity part of it is... Just and then when the character hit, it was an instant hit. I mean, mm-hmm. people were recognize me everywhere in this area. Yeah, yeah. If I go to which Los is, Angeles, I mean, it's all that matters because you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. It's pretty much my market. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 this is one of those communities where even though you, even though you're you're 20 miles out, it feels like forever because people aren't used to the long commute in this in this area. I mean, if you went into Chicago and they're like, oh my gosh, that's like 20 minute ride. That's like nothing you know it takes me an hour to get to work in this community it's 15 minutes from one side to, you know to, of the community to the other and so that whole concept behind we're, we're closer than you think really did intercept the problem point in a person's mind they're like oh way out there 
like beyond the city limits. That's going to take, what are you, three hours out? Right? <laughs> well, <when laughs> 20 I... minutes or three hours, same thing to me. Right? <laughs> and, and so you intercept that one, that one pain point just right out of the gate. Hey, we're closer than you think. Right. The biggest thing about the trip is that there's no real landmarks along the way. Yeah. So you're driving from here. and All you have to do is get to Illinois 70 and you just drive. You never have to make a turn once you're on yeah. 70. Which seems like it's a... <clears throat> so I was reading something about the idea of rural rural, uh, rural America. And rural America is sort of in a decline, right? And It's coming back. Well, and I was thinking about uh, the... Uh, just just now, which is why it's not coming clean, cleanly to my mind... Um, the uh darn it all the <laughs> the place where they wound up giving free water and they charge uh like five cents for coffee uh along the <laughs> along the trip out west are you with me it's not wall drug is wall it? drug yes it it's wall drug okay. yeah thank you how thank you very much how wall drug <laughs> they were they were off kind of off the off the trail right and so what they did is they said hey you can you need water right well we'll give you you can get free water but you give five cents for coffee and <laughs> And well, even now, the coffee is still like five cents. Oh, it is <laughs> totally, totally. But they created the they created Wall South Dakota out of nothing because they said, "Hey, we got this thing." And then, and even now, on the trip out on the out there, there's billboards for a hundred oh, yeah. miles, right? Right? Wall South, wall, 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 wall. And then yeah. there's and then people have you know kind of those joking little signs you know it's 3,432 miles to wall drive right it's kind of like it's kind of like what you did right you know saying hey it's bride you know bride motors it's like you put yourself on the map by by getting outside of yourself and then intercepting the one problem right yep and back then tv was well watched and i used tv pretty well now i don't know if it is quite as watched and i don't know if commercials are quite as watched on tv even if someone watches a show yep so different mediums now than what there was then but and and that was another reason why i asked you in because you were like youtube before youtube right you you, you (laughs) kind of and and so you how are you how are you (laughs) i missed the boat but i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna find the boat again we're coming back what are you what do you how have you adjusted (laughs) in this digital marketing era or are you still kind of trying to find your footing in terms of you know getting your your since there isn't as many people watching tv isn't as many people watching radio they're on their computers so how have you adjusted your marketing plan or is that something you're still working on i'm still working on it depends i guess what you're after because the vehicles need to be in certain places on the internet because that's where people start their search Mm mm-hmm um so as far as that goes the vehicles have to be in those places and i try to get them there as far as branding which i think is something that's completely different that would probably be a social media thing and i have not embraced that as much as i should but i'm probably gonna start working towards that goal um it's gonna be different i mean it's a I, i think of and i don't know a whole lot about the car market right um We'll just lay That's that okay. out there. I right? probably don't know what you do either. That's probably, You're probably true. a lot more smarter at what you do. <laughs> Could be true. So <laughs> the, I, I look at it and I think, well, okay, how do you stand out? If I could buy essentially the same car from one guy down the street or one guy 20 minutes away or one guy 40 minutes away, or I could go into Chicago, you know, to some gigantic dealership, uh, how do you stand out and how do you make, how do you encourage a person to, or engage with their belief system somehow that you're the you're the place they want to do business with. How's that begin? It's probably pretty similar to what you do, other than there is a commodity aspect to it on my end. 
but it still comes down to treating people like the way you want to be treated, promising them great service and providing it, and making them feel comfortable. In fact, I just had a guy yesterday <laughs> came in. He said, man, I was at this dealership, and they gave me the runaround, and I was at this dealership, and I couldn't believe how they treated me. And I said, well, you know, they, they're known to advertise prices they can't really give you. And then when you get there, they end up finding a way to sell you the vehicle anyway. Hmm. And he didn't like that. And he said, I came here. I looked at the truck. It was everything I wanted it to be. I sat down. In three minutes, we had a deal. And you guys didn't do all those things that I just had at those other places. I can't believe it. And I said, well, welcome to Bryden Ford. And, and you got, a believer. So you got that somehow. <clears throat> you didn't just make that 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 kind of ease of of interaction up i mean you that that must be oh, no, something that's real. been passed down yeah. f- from generation to generation well I, I didn't even work the deal with them as my salesperson but weird but the thing is but you created the culture right yeah true <laughs> <laughs> i would rather i'm gonna tell you flat out i would yeah. rather not sell you guys a car than trick you into buying one if i trick you into buying one and that's not even in my dna you're not gonna come back right and you're, just, not gonna, and you're not going to tell your friends to go there Well, either. or the opposite. Right. Yeah. So it's just, the, it, I'm sure it's my grandpa and my dad and all my parents. I mean, everybody that helped raise me it's gotta taught be, me the right way of doing it. It's got to be the same value that, that kind of instilled this idea of the friendly competitors. Because right. that's that's unique as well. To be able to, to, to compete with a friend is one thing. To be able to compete with a family member, that's entirely different. Right? Usually in business, and then to be the, nice about it, <laughs> right? Yes. Usually in business, the reason it's uh, Joe's whatever and Jim's whatever is yeah. because they couldn't work together, right? And then whether they're cordial on Thanksgiving or not is one thing, but in the business world, they basically oftentimes do not treat each other nicely. Yeah. And in this case, my grandpa and my dad had a great relationship. My grandpa, I'm sure, was proud that his son had gone and done his own thing, but. Yeah, and plus there was some cost savings because they, they could yeah. advertise both dealerships in one commercial. And so there was a lot to that. You know, hey, but, we didn't ask, though. Why did you go off on your own? You could have just worked for your dad your whole <clears> life, right? I could have. Okay. In fact, I just had that conversation with a new employee the other day. Um, I went to school to be a car dealer, specifically, and got also an accounting degree while I was there. And came back. I had worked in the dealerships in the summer, every summer through eight, from eighth grade on. And eighth grade, I was in the office. Back then, there was key punching on a... I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, yeah. Key yeah. punching on a... With a little hit, tape. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but it yeah. was... Yeah. All right, Scott. His dad uh, owns Todd Trucking. Okay. So he grew, he grew up in the trucking business, so I'm sure he so you've knows... you've seen the, the root. So it was just a key punch. <laughs> there was, there was yeah. no keyboard. It was just numbers. Yeah. yeah. So you type in the account number, enter the amount, enter the... And Did so you have the was, green bar paper that printed off from a printer right. someplace? Yeah. Yes. I used to yep. take that and fold it and then turn it into these long things. And I, like my mom still at this, at, even now has this old, this robot that I made, which is just paper, green bar paper stapled really? together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. From the printers at the office. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's what I did my first year back then. She's everybody, a sentimental woman. <laughs> <laughs> back then everybody in the office smoked. 
There wasn't really any ventilation. <laughs> right. Okay. These walls so started out white, right. and they were yeah. yellow, and I didn't know because I just thought they were yellow. But then one day, I touched it for some reason, and the, the actual tar came off of my finger. Like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of smoke in here. So then, <laughs> so times have changed. Then my freshman year, at that point, my dad had Rogers Old's Nissan, so he put me in the office at Rogers Old's Nissan, and then the next year he put me in the parts department. And the next year, he put me in the service department as a service writer. And then my senior year, I became a salesperson. I actually sold a few cars. Wow. So and I, I still I need to ask somebody because I don't remember if I was forced to go or I wanted to go or coerced. <laughs> Probably a combination. I think I wanted to go because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember ever thinking to myself, hey, I bet my friends are out playing baseball right now. Or, hey, I bet my friends are doing this. Yeah. I just, that's, I was there and I was working. Yeah. And actually, I accumulated a pretty good little nest egg in my bank account too. So, and yeah. if I wanted to do some, if I wanted to buy some clothing, I could do it on my own. If I wanted to yeah. buy CDs, well, it was cassettes <laughs> back then, <laughs> albums, <laughs> right. um, I could do that. So it gave me some flexibility and a little bit of freedom. But um, in the meantime, what I didn't realize is my dad was preparing me for a future role as a car dealer because I had all the background in every department, how they ran, how they worked. He, he didn't make me the manager. That would be dumb. He just mm -hmm. put me in as entry level. Yeah. Let him work for you, see what he can do. And it seemed to get along. I don't remember anybody really telling me I was <laughs> not doing it right or whatever, but they would correct yeah. me if I needed correction. Did you have any... St <laughs> We can share war stories here. Did you ever have any? Did you ever have a situation where you're in where you're like, maybe this isn't going to work for me? When you were younger, never. Were in the car. I don't no. remember that no. at all. Mm. No, I'll tell you about mine. Okay, here uh, we go. So I was, I was, was your doing mom custom. involved? No, she's not. Okay. No, no. My dad had me working in the front office, and I hated the front office because we just take phone calls all day. I'm first of all, I'm not. An, I'm. I'm kind of not an auditory learner. I can't really keep track of specifics. Like I'm, I'm searching for threads and storylines and always 40,000 feet. It takes a lot of effort to keep track. Well, now we're taking pickups. So people call in and they say, Hey, I've got two skids, uh, you know, 2,500 pounds. And we're going to go to this place, to that place. Right. Only they do shorthand because they're used to talking to people all the time. Right. And so, <laughs> oh boy. So one, <laughs> one time, trouble. one time a guy calls up, he says, uh, Hey, up. I was like, uh, thanks for calling Todd Transit. This is Jason. How may I help you? Pick up. Thanks for calling Todd Transit. This is Jason. How may I help you? Pick up. Thanks for calling Todd Transit. This is Jason. How may I help you? And then uh, Marcy, who'd been working there for like 20 years, she's like, uh, Jason, do you want to just transfer over to me? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't even know. He, he can't hear me. I just transfer over. She's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, oh, a pickup. And I was like, oh, pick up, not speak up. Okay, fine. Phones aren't for me. Right. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Things happen. Sitting, we'll see. sitting in the, like that's, six or eight people in the front of office. Yeah. That's a learning can't experience hear anything right there. I decided trucking wasn't for me. But right. you survived in the car business and right. you now thrived in so, the car business throughout the sounds. So how did so, you end up with the so Duran fast dealership? Forward, yeah. I went to college for two years, got two associate's degrees in that time because it was okay. trimesters and I re and graduated with high honors. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well done. Um, Gold yeah, star. Yeah. It's amazing because college teaches you all sorts of things other than how to, how to yes. do your academics. So, um, so I graduated, came back, worked at Brighton Motors um, in 86, from 86 on selling and then 
really soon thereafter, my dad put him in, put me in as an assistant to him because a lot of the customers wanted to talk to him specifically, and sometimes his day wasn't scheduled that way. Mm-hmm. So I would reach out to the people, hey, what's going on? Is there something I can help you with? Diffuse things if they need to be diffused or whatever, just chit-chat and pass a message to my dad if need be. Yeah. So about 1989, 1990, I started thinking, well, I, I might be able to do this on my own. I said to my dad, what do you think? And he said, well... Let's ask the Chrysler reps when they come in if they have a dealership that they know is for sale. They came in, they looked at me, they looked at him, and they said, no, nah, we didn't have anything for sale. So in mid-1990, I was opening the mail, and it said, there's a, a dealership near you for sale. Are you interested? That's how things were done back then. It wasn't real internet. <laughs> so I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, maybe this is the one. I went to my dad, and I said, hey, look, this dealership's for sale, but I don't know where Durand is. Do you have any idea? It was only 20 minutes away, but I didn't, didn't know. You didn't know where Durand is. You, no, you I did not in, know. You grew up in Rockton, know. right? Right, yep. I grew up in Rockford and didn't know where Durand was. That's a, but that's <laughs> but Rockton's closer. It's like, <laughs> right. it's like the next town over. But so I'm telling you, this is a community <laughs> where like 10 minutes, you're like, damn, how long am I going to be riding? Okay. <laughs> so, so my dad said, oh, Durand, he grew up in Rockton. He mm-hmm. said, I used to take my cars over there and we would race around the square at midnight and we'd the square. raise heck. That wasn't his terminology. Yeah. And just have a lot of fun. And I know. Thomas Spellman and he'd name off all these people who he knew from Duran he's like oh it's 20 minutes I'm like okay what do you think and he said well let's go take a look at it on Sunday because he probably, probably said it's closer yeah. than you think he you did not no, he did but not. maybe maybe he was <laughs> the originator I don't know it's possible so we went over and looked at it then we thought it'd be reasonable and it, I mean it, I was 24 23 years old so but I had like I said I'd been working and when I was selling doing the other I had accumulated a pretty good Bankroll. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like I would have never been able to buy a dealership today because they're just crazy money. But um, so then I called and spoke to the owner about it, made an offer. Somewhere along the way, it was accepted. Then I had to get Ford to approve me. That's the next step. Yeah. So I went to my dad and I said, "Well, do you want to be my partner? Because I'm 23." <laughs> and he said, "Sure." So he said, "You get all the information." take care of it. So I had a Commodore 64, I think back then they nice. sent me all these papers. I was, I typed it all up. I had a stack, probably however tall that is of documents. And I didn't type every single thing, but some of it was to fill out, put it on my dad's desk. I said, we have an appointment next Monday, 9am Chicago with Ford. And I went through, I got this, I get this, I get this. That was about three minutes in. He said, you know, everything you need to know to own that dealership. I said, yeah. He said, just go there yourself. Tell me you want to be the dealer. And I just sat there, and I'm like, I'm 23. Just go. So I went. Wow. Handed him my stack of stuff. The guy leafed through it, asked me some questions about customer service, asked me business questions. And then he got up, and he excused himself. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? So, <laughs> He's going to send me home. So, so he comes back with another guy. And the guy introduced himself, shake hands, he asked me a few questions. He he sat down, and then uh, I answered the questions, and he stood up and put his hand out, and he said, welcome to Ford. Wow. And I didn't know what to say except thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I didn't expect it. So then, so then the, there did, was the Did you ever find out why you went and got the second guy? Was well, it? that was probably the guy that had to give the approval. Okay, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then there's a lot to starting up a business, and you guys know about that, but... I mean, I hadn't even thought all that. You got to have a phone working. You got to. <laughs> so, so the owner that I bought it from actually allowed me to use one of the offices in the business, so I could actually before I was even the owner. So mm-hmm. I would just sit in there on the phone, 
creating documents, all the stuff I had to do back then until we got it open and until I got it open. Yeah. And I was at 24. I was the youngest Ford dealer in the United States. Really? I don't know if that record still stands. Probably not, but at that time I was. I don't so, know. That's pretty young. It might have been the youngest one in the world. That's um, pretty young, and I would think through time the standards have become... A little more, maybe. I, I don't like know. Like it's more expensive. Expectations, the expectations, the money that's involved, right? So you you might still have the record. <laughs> maybe we should look into that. So I had um, seriously. Let's look into this. <clears throat> making a note. So a year and a half ago, a guy came out from Ford, gave me my twenty five year plaque, and I told him my story because he didn't know it, and he said, "Oh my gosh, twenty four. He said nowadays someone's got to be at least thirty. Yeah. I don't know why they put that restriction in. It's like being the president or something. You have to be 35. Um, And you would have to have assets of, and I don't remember what it was, but it was like maybe a million dollars or something. I don't know. And I mean, that wasn't the case back then. Plus, I was buying a 5,000 square foot building that was a little bit run down from a guy who wanted out of the business. So Mm -hmm. I was able to strike a good deal at the time. Sure. But anyway, so that's my story. and. I've made mistakes along the way. Definitely I was say, have. Okay, of course. <laughs> well, here's here's a good question for you because not some people didn't make it, but the 2007 recession on for car dealers it was horrible, was horrific. I mean, yeah. didn't your sales drop like 60 percent in a year? Mine didn't, but a lot of places, mm-hmm. including Brighton Motors, that was really that was an extremely rough time. At one point, we were down to one car there, so that was really bad. Wow! If you have one car, you don't have salespeople, right? So right. So what was, was really oh, so tough. what was the key to get through that recession the key for Brighton ford was i had my worst year in 2006 i'm not <laughs> sure why <laughs> but well part of it was might have been that i was let's see no that wasn't it i'm not sure what happened i might have gotten a little careless on expenses or something but that was a really bad year for me and i don't know why but then my expenses immediately got paired because that's what you do right Man, this is a crazy year. We can't spend on this, can't spend on this. So then when that came, I was actually in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Which you is already interesting. Cut the fat. Yeah. I don't know if that was divine intervention or what, but um so Bryden Ford did pretty good through that time, other than lenders didn't want to lend to car dealers and we need floor plan, which is someone to pay for the cars while they're on the lot, and then we pay interest to them. Mm-hmm. All the floor plan lenders wanted to go away. So I was constantly searching for lenders and the local banks that I went to, everyone I went to, I only went one at a time. I didn't go to everybody all at once, but they'd say, oh man, this is great. Your financials are great. You're, we know you're going to pay us because you got a great reputation, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll call you in a couple of days. They'd call me back. Uh, the board of directors said car dealers are bad loans or whatever the federal government told them. Oh. So we can't put your loan on our books because then that would go on the bad side, even though we know you're going to pay us. And I said, this doesn't make sense. But that what? was the government at work. So part of it was, and the banks were just, because we were having so many banks all of a sudden that had uh, invested in real estate and that real estate disappeared. Yeah. So now all the banks were just not wanting to <clears throat> Yeah, they were undercapitalized. Yeah. Yes. So that you was getting, a problem too. Getting nailed by both. So then eventually I did even go to Durant State Bank and they, they're a small bank, but, and they were all excited too. Oh, man, because I had a bank account with them the whole time. They knew what my accounts were. And every time I told them something, I'd do it. And they were the same way. And then they said, oh, nope, the regulators will make us put you on the bad loan side, even though you've never missed a payment or whatever. So it was really rough. And actually, long story short, Ally was the bank that saved Bryden Motors and Bryden Ford because 
the government let them loan to car dealers for some reason. I don't know what that whole story was, but wow. without Somebody's Ally, we would not have made it, I don't wow. think. Or we would have been substantially reduced in the vehicles that we had on the lot, which is going to reduce sales too. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was really interesting. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And I think it took five years off my dad's life. I, I do believe it was really rough for him because he started with 13 million in inventory and no one could buy it. Oof. So then you're paying oh, man. Yeah, 50000 a month in interest on the cars. Banks can't lend to people even though they want to. Yeah. Wow. Yep, scary times. Yeah. And you weathered it. We did. And part yes. of that has got to be, I think, because you had, how you had been mentored through that time. Like you, you didn't know your dad was setting you up for success in the future, but he had, he was kind of doing this, it, it seems, as a sort of a plan right? By sticking you into these situations and learning all of these things so that you could then become, you know, the youngest dealer, uh, in, in the U S and you knew everything you needed to know. And then for the time, right? <laughs> for the time, I'm and the still rest, learning. Yeah. And then the rest <laughs> was coming gladly. through experience, right? Right. And experience then, is the best teacher. And then maybe through divine intervention, you pair your back all of your expenses right before, you know, you had right before you needed to. Correct. You know, right. uh, and then you, and then even though it was a difficult time, you survived. Good. And now you've got this transition, it seems, to um, maybe bring back, like you're talking about, kind of bring back some of the iconic nature that <laughs> made you so, made you and your organization so, um, uh, I don't know, raised your awareness so, to such a level that everybody, know, everybody knows who you are. Right. And it's been, you know, like what it's been since you ran a commercial eight years, something like that. Somewhere years? around in there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so even though there's been this lapse in time, nobody's forgotten you. That's a really good tie-in that I hadn't even thought about because Scotty B. Ryden started about 2007 or 2008. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was that character that helped get me through because it yeah. gave me some exposure that I might not have had. Absolutely. And a, a memory that people would think of when they thought cars, maybe. So. Absolutely. Well, here's another question that I, I just kind of popped to me. In that you grew up in the car industry, you went to school to be a car dealer, your dad trained you to be a car dealer, so when times got tough, was there a plan B? Was there Because if there's no plan B, you're going to make plan A work, right? That's, that's the case. Yeah, if you have a plan B, it's always going to be plan B. Guaranteed. Yeah, so, you can't really ride two horses. Correct. I didn't have a plan B. I had built a new building in 80... 98, 98. So I still have my original building. I use that for a detail shop. But there were times when, like, when Chrysler and GM were cutting dealers due to the government. It's telling them they had to, which is the most ridiculous thing because dealers don't you cost. Were, you were fortunate because Ford wasn't a part of that. Cause That's it, correct. Because Chrysler However, and GM got rid of single-point dealerships. A lot of them, mm -hmm. yes. And But dealerships don't cost manufacturers money. They make them money. Right. They buy their parts. They buy their vehicles. There's there is some expense, but a lot of that had changed it's the minimal. telephone. Yeah. yeah. So that was just I don't know what that was. But every time a dealer closed down, it was better for me and better for my dad at the time because less competition. But I still felt bad. I when I found out someone closed, I would call them and say, "What in the world?" And they'd say, "I don't know. I was profitable." Blah blah blah. They just did this. And it was crazy stuff. Wow. And so, and most people don't know this, but if GM and Chrysler would have gone bankrupt, Ford would have also. 
because all the suppliers that supply them supply Ford. So if they go bankrupt, the suppliers go bankrupt, there's no parts, Ford's gone too. So that's why Ford went to the government and said, you need to save these other two companies. And it was life and death for all three. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I knew that, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too emotional, but I actually went into my old office in my original building one night because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I yep. started going through stuff like, man, uh, man, I forgot all this. I had great times, all this. And I started yeah. crying in my office. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder if this is all going to be gone. Yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. But I didn't go to plan B either. <laughs> right. And I just said, I got to keep weathering the storm and, and it'll, it'll come around. And it did. Yeah. So, yeah. Man. I had given some thought to what would I want to do. Sure. <laughs> because of course. it's just human nature. But I wasn't going to succumb to that. I wasn't going to give up. Jason, so. do you know how much he loves cars? How much do you love cars, Scott? What did you name your kids? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> I named my son Daytona after the racetrack and the Dodge Daytona. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, that's better than the lady who had twins, Orangelo and Yellangelo, because she liked orange jello and yellow jello. <laughs> <laughs> I had better motivation, I guess. <laughs> you have much better motivation, yes. Since I, I mean, raced for 12 years, I yeah. raced cars for 12 years, I wanted a racing name and I wanted a car name. And I, kind of, I, and I always yeah. wanted to race at Daytona, I never yeah. did. But. Well, you can, yeah, you can say, hey, I named you because you're at the top of your game. Boom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so so what's, next for, uh, what's next for Bryden? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, we're... Going good, going strong. We've got a lot of repeat customers, but then I've been seeing a Brighton Ford. I've been seeing a lot of new customers come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about the drive. If if you would come out someday, I would just grab the top stack of the repair orders for our service department. And you will see that people drive from Rockton. They drive from Rockford. Um, not as much Belvedere anymore, but for an oil change. Really? They pass a lot of places yeah, they do. before they get to us to change their oil. But it's reasonable. I don't even know if they use some. They know I use semi-synthetic oil on every oil change. It's semi-synthetic Motorcraft. I don't charge any extra, and we use the Motorcraft oil filters. And unless it's another brand car, then we use a different oil filter. But um, and it's reasonable. It's was thirty four something. Now it's thirty nine something for a five quart oil change. But they know it's getting done right. Mm -hmm. They know my business, my employees, and that they're going to be treated fairly, and we're not going to sell them something that they don't need. And they will drive for that. And maybe they just like us. I don't know. <laughs> Same thing at Brighton Motors. Or since we do a lot of employee business from the Belvedere assembly plant, a lot of them will come to Brighton Motors for their maintenance, whether they live in Belvedere or not. So, um, yeah. And we just started the express lane at Brighton Motors. We just built a brand new building. So we've got five bays for oil changes, tire rotations. There's a free car wash, complimentary car wash with every oil change. So it's like every other business. And it, you want... When they come to your place, you want it to be an experience that they that that draws them back again and again. Kind of. I mean, it's not going to be a circus experience, but it's just going to be friendly, and mm-hmm. we're not going to. I tell my service people, tell them everything they need, but don't sell them anything they don't need. Yeah, I'm that's the you, worst. And if they don't need brakes today, <laughs> tell them they've got five thousand miles left, or they have ten thousand miles left. Don't scare them into. I don't want that. I would just right. want, because that trust is a big deal. And I can also show you my computer, too. I can pull up some names. There's like 150 repair orders on some of my customers. That you, have just you're, been still, you're not using the Commodore back. 64. That's gone. I'm right. not, no. Okay. No, I have upgraded a few times. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I had one of those. Oh, they were great for the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was going to be a computer programmer um, in high school. That was my goal. I was going to go to Boston University or Boston University. It was my plan. I don't know if I would have, whatever. But, and my senior year, January 19th, I think it was, my dad came down to my room. I was still sleeping. He woke me up and he said, your grandpa had a heart attack last night. And I said, oh my God, how is he? And he said, he didn't make it. I'm like, really? <laughs> right then, I don't know what happened. I decided I was going to be a car dealer. I didn't say it to my dad, but when I laid my head back down, I'm like, I'm going to be a car dealer. And that whole computer programming thing went out the window. So amazing how things happen sometimes. Absolutely. Well, Scott, this has been a pleasure learning about your journey and about the things that you've done and, and, uh, kind of from that unexpected moment when that you just told us about, which is great. This unexpected <laughs> moment when it changed the course of your life, right? And then the storms that you weathered and how you made it through, and now and now kind of the great things that you're doing. Obviously, the community loves you because you you wouldn't have been able to grow and, and expand and have five bays if the community didn't love you. Uh, so In that new facility, yeah. a lot of yeah, a lot of fantastic have... lessons. So thanks well, for being I hope on. So. Yeah, thanks for being on the What Works podcast. It was glad to be here. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. We'll have you back. Thanks. The What Works Podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.